When we go to an event that we create and there's a line going out the door and half those people I know aren't going to get in, guess what? Those half people are going to be talking about our event more than the people who got in. Welcome back to Modeling Success. I'm your host, Ryan Donatelli, and today we have Steve Papa George, a veteran in the business, the owner of Genuine Overkill with years of activation agency experience. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for coming. No, thanks for having me. This is fun. <laughs> is that your fun face? <laughs> you don't want my fun face this early in the morning, but yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in the business? Fairly diverse. I actually started in uh, advertising. So um, that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to make TV commercials and things like this. And I did that for a little bit. And then I drifted into uh, sports marketing and didn't really love sports marketing. Um, and uh, And then I ended up in promotions. And the next thing you know, I was doing this thing called event marketing. And quite honestly, I loved event marketing. Uh, the thing that was so unique about it to me was a couple of things. One of them was that you actually get full contact with the consumers that you're marketing to, uh, which is very rare because in advertising, you know, you go and you create a commercial and you have, you never get to see people watch your commercial and you really don't know whether it works or not. It's sort of like you have to rely on, you know, third party reports that, materialized six months later and they show you a little needle bump in the event marketing world. It's, it's full contact. So, you know, if you're, if your work's not resonating, you know, the day of the event. Which also gives you the opportunity to switch things up, change it instantly, make sure you're getting what you want out of the reactions, right? That the storytelling is right. Yeah. And from a creator standpoint, see, I always thought advertising was the move because it was like, oh, at the end of the day, I get to show a commercial. I have a commercial. It's tangible, right? Um, Or an ad or a logo or whatever. But with experiential, and they were calling it event marketing at the time, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to like this because I'm going to put all this work into something and it's going to happen and it's going to be over before you know it. And there's going to be nothing to show of it, but a couple of photos, right? So wrong because what I realized is these people that are here, if they're having a really good time and it's changing their day, life, week, whatever, in some real way. Um, those people are going to be talking about your event for years, maybe for the rest of their lives. They might meet their future partner or best friend or something like that at my event. So it kind of clicked in me. And I was like, this is actually disrupting culture. It's, it's, it's bringing, you know, some level of excitement and joy to people's lives in a real way. And I was kind of hooked. Now that was prior to, um, what we call social media now. And once social media became a thing, really Facebook, event marketing, suddenly the buzzword changed to experiential marketing. I think we had to give it a more, you know, we had to give it more letters because suddenly we had bigger budgets and we were starting to kind of migrate to the center of people's marketing plans. Like real life happenings were suddenly becoming fabric of the TV commercials and the thing that was getting talked about the most on social. Earned media was a big thing. So it wasn't about the 500 people in the room anymore. It was like, it was about the splash you're making. You know what my favorite thing is still to this day? FOMO. FOMO 
most my favorite thing. When I go to an event that we created, no, it's true. When we go to an event that we create and there's a line going out the door and half those people I know aren't going to get in, guess what? Those half people are going to be talking about our event more than the people who got in because they're going to be like, ah, I tried to get into that insert brand name here event and couldn't do it. But they did put it on social from outside, didn't they? That can also backfire on you too. I've had that backfire <laughs> in a really bad way. And so hey, I think they say um, all news is good news, right? I challenge that. So you've been doing this, you've been doing this experiential marketing for quite some time. Definitely. And um, what are you seeing in the industry? Like what is the staffing criteria that creative teams are looking for? I just went through this actually. Um, so in this past week, we were in, um, San Diego food and wine. We were doing an event for some of our tequila and mezcal clients. And, um, you know, we, we had to work through the festival to do some of our staffing needs. Um, it was, it was a little bit political, right? So it was basically like insert the number of bartenders and brand pourers that you're going to need, and then we'll just have them materialize at your booth. Well, for one of our uh, clients who we'll just say is like a very high end, um, tequila, um, very rooted in Mexican culture and, um, you know, it's a very sip and savor lean in brand. Um, one of our brand pourers, uh, just didn't foot the bill at all. Um, she was, I mean, she was, she was a great person, you know, really felt bad, but you know, she had, she had a lot of tattoos, purple hair, piercings, things like this, which was just not aesthetically on brand for what we were looking for. So sometimes it's aesthetics, believe it or not, but then other times it's just more the, the, the ethereal, the stuff that you can't really define about a person is really, you know, it's, it's rooted in how excited and passionate they are about the category or the product or whatever. I've had people show up to our spirits events and they don't drink, right? And that's all fine and good, but it makes it really hard to talk from a place of, you know, authenticity about the product because you're the front line of the brand. So someone comes up and they're like, ooh, I love tequila. Tell me about this brand. And then the first words out of their mouth sometimes would be like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't drink. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I mean, nobody asks. Right. Nobody exactly. asks. You can run with the facts. You can run with this is an award, you know, winning tequila, double Absolutely. gold winning tequila. This agave is all natural. You're going to love it. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's so, yeah, you know, put it this way we train 100% of our staff, but I would say that maybe 60% actually embody what we're trying to, to bring across. So, did you get said purple hair from an agency? We'll say yes, but it was okay. it was on behalf of the festival. And did you ask the agency if they had met her prior to her showing up? My producer did, yeah. But it was it was more. I think they provided us with photos. They usually will tell you, like you know, here's what we're sending. In this case, I don't think they actually did because it was a it was a little bit of a last minute. Um, well, my question would be: Did she have purple hair in the photos versus showing up? Like, are they current? I will say oftentimes not, but that's a key piece of information, right? There's also another thing that I've seen recently where uh, the agency is uh, standing by their talent, but they'd never actually met them because they forget, like, we're going to meet them, right? So 
I don't know. I get chatty. So sometimes I'll be like, Hey, so how long have you worked for this agency? Like whatever. And I swear it's just, it's just meant to make conversation and make them feel comfortable. And then I hear things like, well, I, this is the first time I'm doing a a gig for them. I've never met anybody there. It was done through email. And I'm like, Oh, okay. All right, cool. So you could be a complete psycho. (laughs) It's like, We'll find 100%, out. No background checks. So what you're saying is you wish that maybe they would show up and they have done some research on the brand versus yeah. the 30 minutes that you get with them, right? Yeah. You wish that maybe they could exude the brand culture when they're building brand awareness. That's a, that's a big one. I'll give you an example. There was I used to do a lot of work for Amstel Light. Their whole uh, campaign was about uh, from Amsterdam, right? So it was very much rooted in Dutch culture. We actually had a thing where we were trying to get as many Dutch uh, ambassadors as we could, right? The thing is, that because they had family in Holland, and you know they were very familiar with the Amstel brand, not even Amstel Light, right? Amstel in Holland is a different beer altogether. They had roots in the brand that we didn't even have, right? So it was awesome because we had these models coming over and they're telling us about how like, oh yeah, in Holland, they have this one expression called like, you know, Amstel, blah, blah, blah. And they don't have it here in the States, but awesome conversation for a beer lover. They were the walking embodiment of the brand, right? That's rare. But the best. The best. We did the same thing with uh, Newcastle Brown Ale. Brown Ale. So Newcastle is from Newcastle, England, and uh, they're called Geordies over there. If you're from if you're from Newcastle, there's a very distinct accent, which I'm not even going to attempt right now. But let's just say <laughs> we we got some Geordies. You know what I mean? And it was like cool. So there, there, it would. It's not about necessarily always picking from the provenance, although that doesn't hurt. It was more like finding people that have a unique sort of love for the brand. That's the home run, right? And by the way, that is completely attainable. So like the way you do it is you try to get them, you know, engaged in your brand a way before they're actually suited up and ready to start meeting the public. So it is in the training. And the thing is to find people that are genuinely excited about something that has to do with your brand, because that gives them the hooks to want to learn more. Curious ambassadors are my favorites. The ones where they show up at the footprint and they start asking you all these questions unwarranted. And they're like, oh, so I knew I was going to be doing this event. So I went out and, you know, I tried three mescals. And the reason I like this one is I'm like, are you for real? You did that? Well, sometimes they do. And those are the ones that we always want to have back. Right. So we'll like write their name down and then make sure that the agency gets us that person next time we're in market and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So where do you think the mishaps are happening? I mean, I'm hearing that you wish the talent would show up and be somewhat theatrical, exude the brand culture, be educated, have some compassion and even sincerity towards the brand and wanting to learn. Cause you've said before in our conversations that you absolutely love the ones that are intrigued that have questions for you yeah. so they can be better at their job. And where, where is the industry missing the step? Like not essentially whose fault is it, but well, whose fault is it? Yeah. I, I mean, put it this way. If you're asking me what can go wrong, I got a list a mile long. Um, oh, but you know, yeah, just, we, just to be, prepared. no, well, I, I'm sure you want to hear them. I'll give them to you. But like, you know, but as, as a whole, I'll just put this aside. Like I don't, I, you know, I don't have overwhelmingly negative experiences when I deal with, you know, um, 
uh, ambassadors and talent, for the most part, things run really well and super happy with the way they go. So does this mean that you do not feel comfortable staffing from agencies without someone from your team being there on site? Would you trust an agency just to send and activate that booth without you or anyone from your team? Let's put it this way. I've never done that. Um, I've never done that. So it's, but, but it's also, I should caveat, we're not a sampling agency, right? So there's agencies that basically, this is what they do. They, they go very light touch and they go broad, right? In other words, you try to get as many samples in hands as possible, right? That's not us. What we tend to do is we're, we're more in, in, into the business of sort of curating your audience and making sure that the, um, that the product is well represented in front of a small but influential group of people. Uh, for the most part, more of our, our experiences tend to be more robust, right? So we might hire, you know, actors and yeah, sampling models or, or celebrity mixologists and this sort of thing. So we have to be on site for that stuff. Like we don't, we don't really like phone it in, in that regard. But that's mainly, I mean, genuine overkill does the creative. They do all, I mean, from concept to fruition, correct? Yeah, yeah, we so do. So you're typically on site, and when you're hiring your agencies, are you are you vetting your agencies, or at, is there any criteria that you're asking of them? Do you hire agencies across the nation um, for your activations? How does that work? Yeah. So number one is uh, again, this is like a I'll call it an unfair advantage, but we've been working in this industry for a long time. So you know, every major market and most of the minor markets we already have our go-to phone calls of agencies that we've worked with for years. So there's a, there's a relationship and there's some trust and, you know, um, they also know like this is handy tip is once you've done business with an agency and you've had to send a model back or you've had to call them and you have to be like, this isn't acceptable. That's not reason to walk away from that agency and never use them again. You just trained them, right? You basically just told them what, what, what you, what you expect. And now it's on them to make sure they deliver it the next time. If they consistently don't deliver it, then you need to cross them off your vendor list. But, you know, a lot of times they'll take that as like, oh, okay. Hey, like overkill's calling, like, you know, this is what they need. Just deal with them. You know, they can be a pain in the neck if, if, if we don't give them that. Right. So it's a little bit of squeaky wheel. If you just take whoever they send you, then, you know, you're going to be their favorite client, but it may not make for the, you know, the happiest of your clients. Right. So tell us the top five unacceptable things. Show up on time for us on time is 30 minutes before doors. Right. And that is basically because in typically, you know, we work a lot with the spirits industry. So typically what we try to do is have our brand expert or brand ambassador that works for our client, right? Who is the end all be all keeper of knowledge on the brand. We have that person there ready to like hang out and talk with the ambassadors so that they can hear it straight from the horse's mouth and then answer any questions. So that's about 30 minutes, you know, sometimes it's an hour depending on how in depth the product is, but whatever. But yeah, like basically, uh, you know, frankly, any time that they show up before we ask them is 
correct. If they show up five minutes later, we're already looking at our watches going, is this person going to show up? Do I have to worry about this now? Right. Because there are times where the ambassador just doesn't show up. I mean, thankfully not so much in my world these days, but like it's happened. And so that's a, that's a stress case, you know? Um, so show up on time. Number one, hundred percent. Number two, be presentable. Um, you know, we can usually tell if you were out drinking until, you know, the wee hours of the morning and you just struggled to get in. That's not good. Um, number, number three is, and I think this is one of the more important things is like, you have to remember, like a lot of times we're in, we're, we're blessed. We're in a fun industry, right? We got to go to music festivals and food festivals and we get to like go to celebrity parties and, and all these things. And it's, it, Concerts, it's great. Right? Tours, it's one yeah. of the reasons, all of it, like all the places that people are usually spending a lot of money and time to go to, we get to go to and it's work, right? So what I mean is let's not let's not take advantage of that. So I've had ambassadors where they feel like it's their food festival. So they'll be like, Hey, I'm going to go and take a walk. And the next thing you know, they're in your logoed shirt, eating tacos and the spilling. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, like, so you're there to work. Right. And that's it. So the minute you put the, you put the brand logo on, you work for the brand. You're an extension of the brand. And that's tough. The other one is put your phone away, right? It's like, that's part B of you're there to work, right? So um, the worst thing in the entire world is when you're, you know, uh, when you're not engaged, right? And like, you're not looking forward and you're, you're like looking at your customers, you're, you're doing this, right? We see it. Not cool. The, the idea is really to try to form, you know, a personal relationship with your your whole team. Right. And just cause like there might be four people from the production, you know, team that we've been working with for months so that we could get there. Suddenly the ambassadors are an extension of us. Right. And we want to be able to have that fluid work relationship with those people. So like you want them to understand where your, where your bar is. You want them to understand that this is what's expected. Right. And so it's tough because like if your own production team, is going around to the taco booths and doing things like that. That gives them permission to do it in a way it's implied. Right. So it's like, we have to be a little more military about how we approach when we're on site. Right. I mean, trust me, everybody on my team super likes to have fun and do what they need to do and whatever. But like when you're on site, you're on site. So you're, you're, you're an extension of your brand. And sometimes uh, I would say, that gets lost in the sauce. Everyone is to show up educated, know where they're parking, know where they're going, know how long it's going to take from the time you hit that parking lot to the time you get to the actual footprint. These are never in small spaces. All of that takes time. On top of that, you need to show up ready. Not I need to get my makeup on, not I need to change, not, none of this stuff. You need to show up 15 minutes early, fully prepared, fully educated, fully ready to rock and roll. So the moment that whoever is on site is there, it gives you the goal of the activation, you go to work. That's it. And where I see people missing the bar so often is vetting their talent, matching the talent with the right customer, with the right brand. You know, there are people out there that 
are Disney princesses on the side. And so if you're working a kids event, that's the perfect fit for you for a brand ambassador. People who like kids, that's great. (laughs) People who want to have a good time. So if the agencies would spend more time with the talent team, vetting their talent, making sure their photos look like them today, you know, doing background checks, they are setting the clients up for success from the moment they get to the activation. And it's one less thing that genuine overkill has to do is to train the talent, get people ready, tell them what to do. My expectation of my staff is they show up and they know what to do. There might be tweaks of what you want based off a goal for what the client's asking of that experience. Like maybe it's data capture numbers. Maybe it's just, you know, exuding brand awareness. Maybe it's getting attention. Maybe it's social media posts, right? Everyone has their independent goals happening at these events and these activations. And so often all of that time is on Steve Papa George to make sure that these people are ready to go. And if we could get the agencies on board to do a little more work in vetting their talent, all so many solutions would be solved, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like you know, when we when we put a lot of trust into a third party agency, it's the the kind of trust you're talking about where we literally can walk away uh, is very rare. It just is, you know. I mean, it's also maybe part of like our our own sort of culture is like, we, we know we're responsible for the follow through. So it's like, trust, but verify. (laughs) Before we go, tell us the one thing that brands want to see from their activations. What is their number one goal over and over and over again that you hear most from all these brands you worked with? What do they want out of their activations? Social mentions. The thing is like most of the time, the brand teams often don't even go to these events. There's just too many of them. So the first thing they're doing is they're, they're looking, they're scouring, you know, Instagram and Twitter and things like that. And they just want to know that, you know, it had an impact on people. You know, it's a little bit of a false indicator because there's a lot of times where brands, you know, almost create a transaction with consumers where they're like, if you want this sample, you got to use the hashtag. And it's like, that feels like a transaction. I, I like it when, when consumers feel like they're inspired to want to share. Right. But regardless, you asked me, what's the thing they look for the most social extension, which is basically an indicator of buzz and talkability. Right. So they want to know that your program had an actual impact on people. They're looking for the quotes, you know, like what did, um, you know, what, what did people actually think of your, um, of, of your booth or your, or your experience or whatever, they want all that stuff and they want it to be overwhelmingly positive also, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, there is a way to deliver even, you know, some negative commentary in a positive way. You know, you can talk about what would have made this better would be like be solution-based instead of just problem-based. Yeah, you're you're so right. And actually I'm glad you said that because you know, one of the things that I love about being in the experiential space is because you're full contact with your consumer, you're kind of like a real-time research firm, right? Because we literally have conversations with consumers all day long. It you could pay a research company to go curate a focus group for you and ask them the same questions in the most awkward fashion possible, like with a two-way mirror and everything. But like, 
there's literally no better way to to test the temperature of your consumer than to have a conversation with them while they've got a drink in hand and they're chatting it up with your bartender and like whatever. You'll find out the God's honest truth for them because they don't feel like there's a spotlight on them. And that's amazing. So th- that is exactly how, by the way, going back to this Perrier thing, that's exactly how we stumbled on the slim can was that we started talking to bartenders, right? We're like, oh, you won't take our can, huh? But Red Bull's got a can. And then they tell you what the virtue of the Red Bull can is, right? Oh, we can fit more of them in a refrigerator back there. And also it's like a perfect pour, right? So there's never ever any leftover, right? And so that was like, ah, there's an efficiency to that can. So the insights come from just asking questions and talking to consumers or trade, right? But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the best things about experiential. If you're a client and you're not asking your experiential agency for you know um, any learned insights and things like that, you're you're leaving money on the table. You absolutely should. A hundred percent. And then knowing how to even retarget them, right? If you're getting all this social traction, retargeting them is uh, that's where they miss. I think a lot of the steps as well. We have this data, and it's it seems sometimes very often. They don't know what to do with the data. Yeah. Continuing the conversation is is a big, important part of the overall sort of marketing machine, right? It's like, you know, the experience is is like a is a component to it, right? Um, you have awareness campaigns and then afterwards, you know, now with social media and everything like this, people are just they're very open to the right conversation with a brand. So you're at a food festival, right? And you tell somebody like, oh, leave us your email and you get a free t-shirt, right? Okay. So now you've made a transaction, right? So I get a t-shirt, you get my email. And then 15 minutes later, you get, or whenever, could be the next day, you get an email that's like, thank you for coming to the insert brand name here, you know, activation. We have 20 questions for you. And it's just a marketing survey. And and it's just like, I... it just, it disenchants the entire, you know, relationship. It's like, you know, there, there's more clever ways to do it. You know, I always think of like when a brand is at an experience or an event, right? Or I have it this, when a brand is, is producing an event and you've got a guest list and you have people coming over, think of it, it's like, that's your cocktail party where you're introducing new friends, right? So, is it appropriate to have a bunch of people over to your house for a cocktail party and all you're doing is pitching them on stuff and like handing them your business card? Sometimes that's what it feels like, right? People tend to want to warm up to brands that give, right? It's like knowing what consumers unmet needs are and what they're, we, we call, we call them consumer objectives, right? So brands come to us and they're like, here's our brand objectives. We want buzz. We want PR. We want samples in hands. But what they don't usually do is say, and here's what our consumers want, right? So consumers, we're consumer advocates, right? So we study culture, we can we study consumer trends and things like this. And we talk to a lot of consumers. So it's like, well, Man, if we find out that consumers really want really cool social content for their Instagram, cool, let's give it to them, right? But, you know, 
let's not make them feel like they're obligated to do it or we're going to kick them out of the party, right? It's more like inspire them to do the thing that we know they want to do anyway, right? And deliver them that experience. And they'll remember you forever for that sort of thing because you didn't make them feel like a consumer. You treated them like a person, which they, by the way, are. And so, you know, there's that very low-hanging fruit engagement, right? You walk into a party and then what do you have? You have like the 10 by 10 or sorry, the 8 by 8 logo wall, right? And uh, there you got the photographer and it's like, okay, do me a favor. Stand with your brand, with our with our can of whatever, with logo out and uh, we're going to take a picture and then you're going to post it. Here's the hashtag. It's like, the grossness has begun, right? And it's not really like no one. I, I have, I have literally, I have literally done a million of these focus groups, and I've talked to a million consumers about what they want and what they need in life. Not once have I ever heard anybody say, "I am dying to stand in front of a logo and get my picture taken." There's a lot of ways to deliver, you know, a branded experience that doesn't feel gross. All right, so tell us where can they find Genuine Overkill? I, I know Steve, you are on Instagram, Steve Papa George, just like it sounds, Papa George, all one word. And where can they find Genuine Overkill? kill steve pop george on instagram is mostly a photo album but yeah you're welcome to follow me i have <laughs> terrible algorithm on instagram by the way no but uh the uh the best way is just our website genuineoverkill.com leads you to all of our you know uh communication like you can email us it's all our socials on there and all that other fun stuff there you have it thank you so much for joining us steve we appreciate having you and we will make sure to chat soon Thank you for joining us at the table of modeling success. I am your host, Ryan Donatelli, and you can find me on all social channels, mainly Instagram, LinkedIn, and ryandonatelli.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and meet us here every week where we will be discussing the actual happenings that no one wants to openly talk about in the talent and entertainment industry.